0: Message delivered. What do you got here? I don't know. Second best car is what I got. How can I help you? I don't know, son. It's the same stuff every week. I don't know.
1: It's Tuesday, which means it is scan all day. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Presented by Mobile One, Carol Amano, joined by a pair of crew chiefs in Charlotte, Steve Letart, and Slugger Labby. But let's get right to the news of the day. Gentlemen, Joe Gibbs Racing has announced that Eric Jones will leave Furniture Row Racing to take over the number 20 Toyota for the 2018 season. Jones succeeds Matt Kenseth, who announced last week that he would not be returning to the team. And following the announcement, Marty Snyder spoke with Eric Jones.
2: Well, Carolyn, let's talk to the man of the hour. And before we get to a ton of questions, just congratulations. I mean, this is a long time coming. Did you ever dream that the day that you came into the you know program here at Toyota, that you would be a Joe Gibbs Racing Cup driver?
3: <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if it was ever going to work out that way, but, um, you know, definitely excited to be coming back to JGR. Um, they've done quite a bit for me over the last few years in the Xfinity side. And had a great relationship um, with Joe, you know, and in, in that relationship. So just excited to be coming back, excited for the opportunity, and uh, looking forward to it.
2: All right, let's drill down into some of the details. This weekend when we were at Kentucky, you were like, I don't know what's going on. When did you kind of find out that this was going to be what would happen for next year moving forward?
3: Well, it was – pretty recently um you know at that point i was trying to work through it and and it wasn't uh, until recently that i kind of really found out all the details so um i was just trying to focus on the 77 car still trying to focus on the 77 car um for the rest of this year but uh, it was pretty recently that i found out about it from what you
2: understand did matt sort of coming out with the news maybe a little earlier than everybody expected kind of force the hand of this happening this
3: week yeah it definitely accelerated things some um you know but uh at the end of the day it was uh announcement we had to make and um you know excited to uh, finally just have it out there and and have it known and and being able to uh you know not having to uh hold anything back now
2: obviously you have chris gale crew chief in your car in denver right now and you have jason Ratcliffe here veteran crew chief what will happen next year with a crew chief role for the 20 car as far as what you know now
3: i don't know anything yet um personnel wise we really haven't got to that point obviously there's still two teams that are you know competing um this year for the rest of the year so um we need to keep those together for now and you know i don't know exactly personnel wise what we're going to do i'm sure that'll be you know discussed here after the season ends but it should be interesting to see what happens
2: all right i know for you it's it's been tough the team's in denver you're here in charlotte north carolina i know you guys do the rafting trip you've done some fun things with the team lately but how how will this make your job easier that the team is based here just a couple miles from where you live
3: yeah, it will for sure. Um, it's been, you know, a little odd not being able to just see and hang out with the guys and, and talk to Chris on a, on a daily face-to-face basis. So uh, it's definitely going to change that dynamic and and, and seeing who, uh, however it works out and mm-hmm. just seeing, you know, kind of what's going to happen. I'm excited just to see that uh, I'm going to be able to kind of hang out with the guys again <laughs> and, and take it all in and be more of a, uh, a team player. You mentioned you want to focus on the 77.
2: Now this news is out, does this allow you to then say, okay, that's next year? How do you then make getting the 77 into the playoffs your your bigger job for this year?
3: Well, I think we're all going to stay pretty focused on that and, and what we need to do over there. And everybody's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot invested into the 77 car and in, in hoping that, uh, you know, we can make the playoffs. We've uh, we've got a shot to do it. We need to have a, a really good next month or so to, to make it happen. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, get our way back in there into the playoffs and, you know, just focus on it from there. So we still got a pretty big job to accomplish over there. I feel like we, um, you know, we still need to make playoffs, hopefully get a win and uh, be a pretty solid year. I know your job is to drive
2: the car, but do you know what's going to happen to the 77 team next year?
3: I haven't heard. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll work through that over at Furniture Row. They've, they've got a good operation. I've been fortunate really to be with them for this year. I've enjoyed my time over there and, and really – Gotten to know Barney really well, Joe Garoni over there really well, and it's been uh, it's been fun just to get to know everybody and you know make some new friends out of the uh, the whole deal. So I hope the best for him. You know I hope uh, I hope it works out and, and um, you know they can keep that car going.
2: All right, the easiest way to make the playoffs is to win. That starts this weekend at New Hampshire. How do you feel about the Magic Mile? Flat? It's a tough racetrack,
3: isn't it? Yeah, New Hampshire's tough. Um, you know, it's definitely not my style of racetrack necessarily. <laughs> we had a good run there last year in the Xfinity car. We ran second uh, to Kyle. So. Hopefully some of that can transfer over to the cup car. We've, we've had a good couple weeks here, a couple top tens, and, and almost a top five last week at Kentucky. So we just need to keep that momentum going and kind of keep fast cars coming to the racetrack. And obviously the 78 team's been super fast. So hopefully we're both quick again this weekend. Hopefully, I can pick up on it quick, and we'll be able to uh, to find our way to the front. Yeah, if you can just get some of the 78 notes, that would be great, wouldn't it? Right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wish we could find some speed like they've got. They they've been fast um, all year, and especially these last few weeks. So hopefully, we can start getting up there and running with him. I'd love to uh, to go up and battle for a win with Martin. All right, I'm proud of
2: you. You seem to be sticking with the mullet. So I'm proud. Of you. Is this like you're committed in? You're in all in now, or what?
3: Well, I am at this point. Yeah, it's uh, you get. Oh, geez, I'm probably four months into wow. growing it now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I feel bad, like just giving up on it. So I, I, I feel like I got to keep it going for a while.
2: All right, he's gonna let the hair grow. It's not like a playoff beard or anything like that. But the hair's gonna keep growing for Eric Jones. Congratulations, though, getting the ride in the 20 car, Carolyn. <laughs>
1: Marty, thank you. You know, Steve, it really hit me when Marty congratulated Eric Jones that this is a moment of celebration for a rookie driver, but it's lost because of silly season and everybody kind of scuffling to figure out what this all means. Is is part of that because the announcement came the way that they did now after Matt Kenseth had announced that he wouldn't be back with the team?
4: Well, that's something, Carolyn, that we've seen in racing of late. It, it's just Almost impossible, Slugger, to keep these things bottled up because there are so many moving parts, sponsors, manufacturers, uh, crew chiefs, teams. So so there are too many moving parts to to hide it. But to your point, Carolyn, you know, he was congratulated because, as you and I both know, we worked our entire lives, and we were very fortunate to become a crew chief at the top level of NASCAR. Mm -hmm. As a race car driver, think about the years, the laps, the sacrifices he has made, and now he's going to drive for Joe Gibbs Racing. He got there fast too, you know. But uh, <laughs> That's
2: right.
5: TRD and and Kyle, and Kyle Busch Motorsports, Steve, they they watched him at a young age, uh, come up through super late model ranks, and uh, and K- KBM signed him in 2013 to drive his truck. So he's been in the TRD fold for a while. he have been watched, uh, and they mentored him up through the through the awesome series of the Monster Energy Cup Series. So uh, young man deserved it. He's definitely in the gas all the time, and not afraid to to move people out of the way and do what it takes to win races.
4: Now, Caroline, I'm a little concerned for poor Kyle because he has found Eric Jones, and that perhaps might be someone he's going to be battling for a playoff spot. You look at the upcoming eight tracks, you know, he hasn't been to four of them, but he had never been to Pocono until he went and ran third there. So this young man deserves this ride because I'm going to tell you, you and I have seen a lot of short track racers. This kid can drive. He jumps in the cars. He doesn't talk about excuses. I don't hear about shocks, springs, tires, track. There is never a reason he puts in front of his performance. He says it's on him and the vehicle he drives. I love to watch him on the racetrack. Well, one thing that helps him is all the teammates he has to lean on. You know, he's got – awesome
5: individuals around him from Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Racing, so if he ever has a doubt, he can go to any trailer uh, with a Toyota brand on it and go talk to the people he needs to to get the right information. Uh, look at EFI data, talk to a driver, uh, many things that he's he's been privileged to have right. that a lot of drivers didn't have at a young age.
4: Well, Another big question I think, Carolyn, is, is, as Slugger mentions, you know, go to a trailer with a Toyota brand, well, will one of those trailers have Matt Kenseth driving in it? I think that is the next big domino in this then really in this whole mix, we we know that he announced, he being Matt Kenseth announced he was not going to have a ride at Joe Gibbs Racing for a reason at Kentucky. We don't know the reason, but it seemed clear to me he was ready to get that out into the public. So now he says, I don't have a ride. Joe Gibbs Racing quickly fills the ride yeah. with Eric Jones. The real question to me is, Where does Matt Kenseth go from here? Well, do they simply just swap seats? You know, to me, that's the
5: most logical thing. I would think that the people from Toyota would want to keep Matt in the camp. Uh, Does Matt drive one year, two years? That's to be determined. But I would think the the right move for Toyota and Matt was to simply just swap rides with Eric Jones. That'd probably be the easiest thing to do. But, hey, it's a silly time right now, and who knows what's going to happen.
1: Joe Gibbs Racing released a statement today. We can throw it up if you at home want to read it. But you are right, Steve. The big question here is about Matt Kenseth. Where should he go? What makes sense for him now?
4: Well, I'll be honest, Carolyn, I think Matt Kenseth has race wins left in his career, perhaps a championship run, but I really think it comes down to the business of NASCAR at this point. Um, Eric Jones, at his age, it's very easy to sell sponsors a little blue sky. Hey, you could put a long-term commitment behind this young man. We can have a long-term marketing plan. Even a manufacturer like Toyota can really back him. But when it comes to Matt Kenseth, while you're getting an ultimate professional and a great race car driver, it is for a shorter period of time. So you're going to have to figure out what company can jump in and back him with a a good marketing plan. So Slugger, I think, it, in my opinion, it comes down to how much does Matt Kenseth want to drive. I think if he lowers his number enough, somebody will scoop him up. I don't know what he makes, but I hope it's a lot of money because he's a great talent. And I think to drive again next year, he's going to have to reduce that number down to a realistic number for some of these teams that, that have seats coming open.
5: Well, I think money's not a problem for Matt Kenseth. How much do you really need? But <laughs> right. But to me, the main question is is finding a sponsor, let alone one major sponsor, to do the whole season – but you probably need three or four in today's world. We don't see one sponsor running the whole season on a car. So they, the people, whoever he goes, is going to have to find multiple sponsors to to be behind Matt Kenseth and and, and see what his future allows. But uh, it's all comes down to money and sponsors, and that's what it's going to take, Steve.
1: So let's let's look at some of these other potential open rides for 2018, because, as you know, both very well, these kinds of moves set off a chain reaction. Brad Keselowski uh, still has not confirmed that he's going to sign with Penske. You've got Casey Kane and Danica Patrick there. A lot of people, Steve, saying that that number five ride could potentially be a place where Matt Kenseth may end up, if not the number and the name at the very bottom of that screen, which everybody is talking about, the open seat at the end of the season with Dale Earnhardt Jr.,
4: Well, it's interesting, Slugger, as we look, this seems to be a long list. But the number of teams represented up here and organizations Uh is actually smaller. Because where Brad Keselowski, why his name is on this list, I think it's really just a footnote. Surely he's going to stay with Roger Penske. But then you look at Hendrick Motorsports. They have potentially two seats open. One for sure. The 88 we know is open. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to what is the plan. If William Byron is the plan, I think... In my mind, if I was, um, you know, Marshall Carlson, Rick Hendrick, trying to make this decision, I'd be calling Matt Kenseth for sure because I do believe that William Byron needs – a year or two more in the Xfinity Series. And I think Matt Kenseth probably he? only needs to drive a year or two more. I think he does. I think that Daniel Suarez is the perfect example of a guy that is doing a good job but it is an uphill battle. But then you talk potentially the five is on that list as well. And then you look at Stuart Haas. They have two numbers on that list in the 10 and the 41. And that seems to be purely a business decision. Well,
5: it does. You know, all depends how much Gene Haas wants to spend. I mean, he's got two F1 teams that cost a lot of money to race compared to NASCAR. And it just depends if, you know, if Kurt Busch and Danica Patrick will have a ride do they do they go from four teams to three? That's going to have to be determined. But uh, Hendrick Motorsports, Stuart Haas, they got some work to do to figure out their roster for 2018.
4: The big thing to me, when I look at Matt Kenseth, it's not just a race car driver. He is an organizational type driver. What I mean by that is you've worked at multiple you sure? companies, you know. When I was at Hendrick Motorsports, Jeff Gordon was the leader, then it was Jimmy Johnson. They would be those drivers vocal in the meetings, not letting us get too far off the That's beaten right. path. I really go back five years ago when Matt Kenseth went to JGR between Matt and the commitment of Toyota, and I don't think you can separate those two. That paved the way for Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin and Carl Edwards to be much more uh, competitive and to win some championships. So when I look at the list, the concern is Hendrick Motorsports has Jimmy Johnson. Stuart Haas Racing has Kevin Harvick. So either of those organizations, Matt Kenseth isn't going to be the guy. He's going to be at least the B guy in the, in the, in the series. Is that a role he's going to want to take?
5: We'll have to see all the, you know, like you said, financing. where does Matt want to be? How long does he want to race? And uh, is it just a couple year deal to get through? Time will tell. But uh, Matt is definitely, I've been in meetings with Matt and he's the guy that always brings everybody back to where they need to be. Because sometimes in these meetings, you can get all over the place, different directions. And Matt is the voice of a lot of major organizations. But we'll just have to see Steve and uh the thought of Matt Kenseth being a second driver somewhere it just doesn't make sense to me.
4: Well, it would concern me if I was the A yeah. driver, Carolyn, because I can tell you one thing, Matt Kenseth, <laughs> I don't care about his age, I don't care about his resume, I guarantee somewhere he has a big trophy case, and it's not full yet, and I've seen him on the racetrack, he races for trophies, so he <laughs> wherever he ends up, he's going to push the other drivers in that organization for yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: extra motivation can be uh, a very compelling thing. All right, still so plenty more to get to today on the show, only eight races left in the regular season, of course, so we're going to examine the drivers on the playoff bubble, and which teams might Change their strategy moving forward. Brad Kozlowski did some finger-pointing over the weekend. Was he right or was he out of line? We're going to discuss that with Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Pete Pistone. He'll have his say. Plus, we're going to turn up the scanners and find out who Denny Hamlin was so fired up at this weekend. in Scan All Kentucky. All that and more next. Well, this week, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series takes to the challenging Magic Mile of New Hampshire Motor Speedway. The intensity picking up the race of the playoff continues. That is Sunday 3 Eastern right here on NBCSN. And with that in mind, let's take a look at the current playoff picture. Drivers you see on the left have virtually assured themselves of a playoff spot due to their race wins. The focus is on those drivers on the right-hand side. As it stands right now, Matt Kenseth holding that final spot by a mere seven points over Joey Logano so Steve this is complicated and the fans really deserve a breakdown of, of what we're looking at right now and what we could see over the next couple of races where do you want to start here on this right hand side
4: well, I think, Carolyn, you had a pretty good head start, which is 1 through 10. Forget about them. Erase them. For the next eight weeks, they're running for some playoff points, but I don't think that really is a priority for the fan. It's going to be who is even in the playoffs. And Slugger, I don't know where you stand, but I think Kyle Bush and Chase Elliott have done a very good job positioning themselves, where even in a few more winners, those two make it through.
5: I agree. You know, Chase Elliott had a terrible month of June where he had terrible finishes, and he's still 89 points to the good, so I agree. Kyle Busch. And Elliott, they're locked in.
4: Yeah, so then it goes down to really the next two in line, which is Jamie McMurray, Danny Hamlin. I know, much like me as a crew chief, you love the numbers. I think yeah. he actually has, has been in the garage longer than I have, so he loves the numbers a little more. So what's your opinion, McMurray and Hamlin?
5: Well, McMurray, they, they got to get going. You know, Pocono was terrible for him. He, he, he struggles at Watkins Glen. Uh, if he has a couple of bad races, I mean, if you go back to Pocono, Jamie uh, blew a brake rotor. Mm-hmm. Eric Jones finished third. He made up 37 points in one race, so it tells you how fast this sport can change if you're in or out.
4: Yeah, and there's something about McMurray. I, I like him, and I want to put him in the playoffs, but my concerning is my concern is that he's a long ways off the 42 a few weeks, mm-hmm. and, and you would ho- hope to see that he'd be a little closer to his teammate, and that's kind of the same story for Denny Hamlin. While I think he is probably one of the most versatile drivers, and we're going to a huge variety of racetracks, there's something about this 11 and Denny Hamlin that just hasn't sat right. He's not up there leading laps, running in the top five. Well, they've been good. They haven't been great. They just avoided those mistakes.
5: Well, we'll see if they get their to act together. I think Denny's the type of guy who'll sneak up on you, and, and New Hampshire would be a good place for that to happen. He's been really, really good. I think he's got four top fives out of the last six races, so he's done really good there. We'll just have to see if that team gets on track and gets this aerodynamic package figured out.
4: Well, Slugger, those are the easy ones. That's so right. as we go back to the grid, it gets way more complicated because we've talked about the four highest in points. Well, it starts to get really tight from Clint Boyer really all the way through Eric Jones. So the first guy I think we have to discuss is the man in the honeymoon, Clint Moyer. first year with Stuart Hoffman. <laughs> racing, and and Dale Jarrett and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Not the smooth ride I was expecting out of the 14 this year.
5: Well, they've definitely made gains, you know, from where they were with Stewart. But, you know, Clint has done really well. He's got some second place finishes, come really close, but second place finish is not going to get him where he needs to be. He needs to get to victory lane. Him and Mike Boogeravitz are doing a heck of a job for being uh, together for the first year, come a long way, but just have to see uh, how he does this weekend at Loudon. I think Loudon is going to be key for a lot of drivers. They're counting on Loudon to do really well, like Hamlin, Kenseth, and Boyer. Those are really good tracks. Uh, New Hampshire, really good track for all three of those drivers. We'll just have to see who gets victory lane.
4: I was trying to figure out what was the key track. And unfortunately, the key track is the same, as you mentioned, for a lot of these drivers. Clint Boyer, I like the smile I see on his face. I like that he's disappointed with seconds. I agree he has to go to victory lane. And now it comes down to the full-blown question marks. The 20 of Matt Kenseth has baffled me the entire season. Uh, I expect more out of the the, the past champion, out of the two-time Daytona 500 winner. While he's currently seven above the cut line, I I don't dare make a prediction because I thought last weekend at Kentucky Slugger we saw a driver that the weight was lifted. There was something about that announcement that changed someone who's normally pretty stoic anyway. You don't see much out of him. But we talked to him during the race. Jeff Burton interviewed him. He seemed a little more lighthearted, almost enjoying himself more. If Matt Kenseth gets to be happy and enjoying himself – he could be dangerous.
5: He could, you know, New Hampshire be a good track, like I said this weekend. But Bristol, he always runs really well at Bristol, and with the traction compound that they put down, Bristol's another nutshell race that we really don't know. But I look forward to uh, Matt running good this weekend and also at Bristol.
4: Well, so the question was posed to me by uh, Dustin Long. He's going to write an article on NBC Sports of which driver do I think isn't going to make it? You look at Matt Kenseth's numbers; they're impressive. He's won it everywhere but Indy and the Glen, and those are recent wins: New Hampshire, Pocono, you know, Michigan. You mentioned Bristol. Mm-hmm. Man, I've chased that guy around Bristol before. It's (laughs) not that much fun. I I have my biggest concern for the driver that's seven points below the cut line. That's Joey Logano. Something happened at Richmond when they won that race and it was taken away. Whether it was an emotional toll, they started last, they found a way to win that race. Whether it's something that NASCAR has kept from them you know that they can't run again, I'm not sure what. But this 22 just seems to be Groundhog Day, week in and week out, and not the good type. The type of a team that... I expect more of, and right now I'm just not seeing another 22.
5: Well, Steve, since Richmond, Team Penske has taken a hit. We don't know what it is, and the team will tell you it's not from what they did to Tech Center. But you are well, not going
4: to tell you what it is. Yeah, right. So <laughs> you and
5: I have been to the Tech Center, and we've never had anything given to us. They've always taken it away. Uh, like you said the other day, the only thing we got to the Tech Center was our butt chewed out. But uh, <laughs> typically uh, – You know, they don't give you nothing at the Texas; They always take away. So, you know, this team hasn't recovered from that advantage they had uh, winning races. Uh, You know, if you go back to Brad, he won at uh, Atlanta and he uh, and Joey won at Richmond. So, you know, they've been successful, but they have lost something. They haven't got it back. But maybe they're saving it uh, for the next couple of weeks. And,
6: I don't you
4: know, tell. Carolyn, the, the issue I have is we're talking like the cut line isn't even going to move. If we get two or three new winners, that cut line is going to move up. Yes. It's going to become even more pressure-packed for basically some marquee names. The biggest names we have in the sport are down there around the cut line. We didn't even talk about Dale Jr., who is well below. Yeah. I think we both agree it's a sure. must-win. And don't sleep on that kid in the 77, Eric Jones. Much like the 20 of Matt Kenseth, that kind of announcement, if it just – Let's him relax a little bit more. The crew chief now perhaps has something to prove, trying to say, hey, sure. This kid and I should stick together That's next right. year, so you might see some more gambles out of the 77.
5: You might uh, have to see, you know, the future. They know what it is, like you said, and, and the kid's got speed. And I think Chris Gale and that team has been trying to slow him down because sometimes you drive too hard and you go slower. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But Steve, what I'm really looking forward to is Pocono, and Watkins Glen, two strategy tracks where the crew chiefs can throw everything to the wind and try to win a race. Those are, those to me are also some crazy races that we're going to see different strategy and potentially new winner. Maybe AJ. Right. someone like that at, at Watkins Glen, but it's going to come down to strategy and who doesn't get caught with the yellows. And
4: Carolyn, very simple. We're happy and we're smiling to break it down because we've had to prepare for cars <laughs> for this eight race <laughs> stretch before, and it's That's chaotic. Tough. It's short track, road course, high speed, Pocono, Indianapolis. Then, by the way, we're going to go to Darlington. That doesn't fall mm. in any category, so it's going to really test man, machine, personnel, and company. Who's the most organized? They perhaps
1: are going to be ones in the playoffs. Yes, Legger was telling me when he was here yesterday, he averaged about three hours of sleep during that time. So I don't envy the crew chiefs and all involved in trying to make up some points over the next couple of races. Uh, coming up next, we're going to turn up the scanners, find out who Denny Hamlin was so fired up at and what driver had another tantrum. Scan All Kentucky coming your way next.
6: NASCAR America is brought to you by
4: new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year.
1: Well, back in May, Eric Amarola was involved in a fiery three-car wreck in Kansas. The driver of the 43 was airlifted to a local hospital and diagnosed with a compression fracture in his back. Amarola has been out of the race car for almost two months now. That is until earlier today when he was back on the track for the first time taking laps at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Just confirm that. This is certainly a positive sign that Amarola can be making his return to racing this weekend at New Hampshire. This is the first time he's been
4: car America is brought to you by new Mobile One annual protection proven protection for one full year.
1: Well, back in May, Eric Almarola was involved in a fiery three-car wreck at Kansas, and the driver of the 43 was airlifted to a local hospital and diagnosed with a compression fracture in his back. Amarola has been out of the race car for almost two months. That is until earlier today when he was back on the track for the first time taking laps at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And this is certainly a positive sign that Amarola could very well be making his return to racing this weekend at New Hampshire. Tomorrow, we are going to get the answers directly from the source as Eric is going to be joining us live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's going to sit down with our stable of drivers in Jeff Burton, Kyle Petty, and Dale Jarrett. And then on Thursday, we're going to be joined live in studio by Daytona 500 champion Kurt Busch, who is seeking his fourth career victory at New Hampshire. But there is no denying that the majority of last Saturday night belonged to Martin Truex Jr. The 78 led 152 laps and swept all three stages, but there was still plenty to hear from the rest of the field as we scan all Kentucky.
6: Welcome to Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Racing from Kentucky. It's a great crowd on hand tonight and an absolutely spectacular night for racing. This is my last one. It's been a kick-ass time for and every one of you, so thanks
0: a lot. Appreciate it. All right, bro. Good luck. Let's tame this thing tonight. See you in victory lane, bud. Come cool, on, buddy. Have a good night in there, guys. Go get him, show him what we got. We're a championship caliber team, championship caliber driver. Let's, uh, let's show them why tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for all the hard work this weekend. Tip four man. Drive the crap out of that thing today.
4: Will do. Be ready here. Be ready. Ready. Green, 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 green flag, green flag, green flag. All rolling. Murray gets into Hamlin. Hamlin barely able to hold on to his car. And drops back to his spot. Don't you him, over. Get him.
6: I'm not around. I am going to get him. has delivered. Kyle Larson, he started 40th and has moved now to 6th. Larson is just hustling, and to drive it in deeper. Back to the gas quicker. Martin Trucks, Jr. A lot of drivers are looking to figure out how they can stop him from winning all the stages. And for the 12th time this season, stage winner, MTJ.
0: Good job,
2: boys. And NASCAR hands out a couple of speeding penalties here. Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson.
0: Uh, Do I want Dan to get it back? Yeah, that's BS. Yeah, well, apart for the course for the weekend, so just
2: have to drive back up to get it. outside, even, outside, tight right, tight right. Trouble! Kinslowski goes
0: around. Clint Bowyer goes around. Jimmy Johnson got into the wall. How bad is it, brother? Yeah, it's real bad. I got, I could miss the two when you were something that broke, and then I hammered the fence. All right. Take it to the garage. We're done. Sorry about that, guys. It's my fault. I tried to lift as early as I could. Still snapped on me. Ain't that for everybody. I'm sorry. Yeah, my That French tore up. No, dude. It ain't bad. I promise you. The hood's just blown up because we went sideways. Air catches it, pushes it up like that. Everything looks fine. I Everything
4: should be good. We'll make something out of this, man you still getting a fight up there or something? No. you need me to? Hey, oh, just didn't say one to go. You didn't say what position we were in. Eyes over the cooler for a second. Oh, I laid lay down on you. You aren't laying down already? I figured y'all were laying down 1st well, I'm laying down about as
6: much as you are in that car, laying back in that seat, all comfortable. 95's lucky dog coming back to it right here. you with the 95, I would. I hate him,
0: keep me away from him. Whatever we have to do because I pissed.
6: Martin Truex Jr., stage win number two on the Knights. For the 13th time this season, stage winner, MTJ. What do you got here? I don't know. Second best car is what
0: I got. How can I help you? I don't know, son. It's the same stuff every week. I don't know. Right now, Martin Truex Jr. in total command of
2: this event now only eight cars on the lead lap 10 to go buddy 10 to go they're leading a race by 14 seconds i mean that is unbelievable give me three more buddy. three more and i think we're blowing up 10 drivers try to nourish it and
6: caution's out everybody 41 blew up right past start finish line i wish i was buddy is, how far ahead was he, like freaking 20 seconds? Are you gonna pit or are you not gonna pit? Well, now what? We're doing now,
0: Cole. Well, I think uh, I just don't see how you pit here. Except for our leader staying. So the 78 stayed out, and everybody behind him pitted. They stayed. I don't think anybody did. Oh, boy. Yeah, we were just they were all gonna do the opposite. 78 stayed out, so he might be in trouble here. he's fast enough, it might not matter.
6: Yeah, I don't care how good you are, it's going to be tough, but he may do it. Can Mark Drex Jr. get out in front of Kyle Bush? Or in overtime, free play back in the air. Good push, good push, good push.
0: 78 was still a little bit better than us, but definitely second best. Yeah, 10-4, we got some work to do. All of us knew to catch him. Let's take him to the woodshed, bud. Good job. Unbelievable, you guys are the best, man. I no question. Thank you.
4: I was that was the full range of emotions, yeah, but I would hate to be in Cole Pern's seat. I agreed with the call to stay out, mm-hmm. but I also agreed with Chase Elliott that I didn't think the 78 had a chance on old tires. He proved me wrong. What a great race car.
5: It was. You know, Not many people had faith in, in Martin Truex winning that race, but to me, the key thing was Chad Johnson. We have a lot of work to do to catch that 78 team. They, they made a statement at Kentucky, and, and teams have a lot of work to do to catch up.
1: We've got one more of the sports voices to hear from. Up next, we're going to be joined by Pete Bastoni of Sirius XM's The Morning Drive. We'll get his take on the big news of the day with Eric Jones and what it means for some of the open rides next season. Plus, where Brad gives us his comments Saturday night out of anger or out of line. Pete on all of that and more next.
6: For Martin Truex Jr., his 10th career win. It will come at Kentucky. Bailey Walker, Jack Mann for Martin Truex Jr. in uh, Victory Lane for the third time. Martin Truex Jr. smoking down the rear tires with that burnout and the crowd roars. Feels great. Uh, we're running strong. Pit stops are fast. Coming into summer. Uh, feel good about the rest of the year.
1: A native of Lake River, Illinois, Lee Cunningham is one of the best rear tire changers in the game. Prior to joining Furniture Row Racing, he worked in the same role for Michael Waltrip Racing on the team's 15 car, then driven by Clint Boyer. Meantime, coming up next on NASCAR America, Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio joins us to discuss all things topical. He'll be with us when we come back.
2: Car America is brought to you by Serve Pro, like it never even happened.
1: Well, many of you NASCAR America fans are no doubt familiar with Sirius XM NASCAR radio, Channel 90. They cover everything NASCAR. And now NBC Sports and Sirius have joined forces, which means every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, an NBC NASCAR personality is going to appear on the morning drive tomorrow. That honor goes to the mayor himself and Jeff Burton. And with that, we welcome in the co-host of the morning drive, Pete Pistone. Pete, we're so glad you're here. We've got the poll question running, which is, does NASCAR need to make changes to the Monster Energy? cup car you can head to SiriusXM XM NASCAR on Twitter to vote use the hashtag TMD NASCAR as we get the conversation going we'll get back to that in just a little bit let's start Pete with the news of the day what was your reaction to the announcement from JGR that Eric Jones is going to take the 20 ride
6: well not exactly breaking news Carolyn, because I think this is what we all expected to happen but they made it official today so now we know the first domino if you will of silly season is is on we've got Eric Jones in the 20 so I, my question is twofold one What happens to Matt Kenseth for next year? And two, what happens to Matt Kenseth for the rest of this year? Is there such a thing, Steve? I'll ask you, you're the crew chief, as a lame duck driver, he knows that he's not going to be back with that team next year. Is that going to make things that much more difficult for the rest of this season? Matt knowing that at the end of the year he's out
4: of JGR well Pete as you might recall I was the lame duck crew chief in 2014 and we went on to find some success because it actually I think took some pressure off from our our team and when you look at where the 20 is this year their lack of production on the racetrack was somewhat questionable and it looked to me that we instantly saw an uptick at Kentucky Pete I think the 20 was better at Kentucky with the kind of the news with Matt Kenseth admitting hey you know what I don't have a ride I won't be back at Joe Gibbs Racing so I thought he was better but circling back to Eric Jones I don't think we have seen such an impressive rookie so far under the radar as this young man he has really not made any major mistakes hasn't gotten any highlight reels for the wrong reasons so I think as you said it was inevitable he would end up in the 20 but I'm impressed with what he's done so far and I look forward to next year and what possibly he'll be able to do in that 20 car.
6: Yeah, I think so, too. I think when you look at the rookie year that he's had there, and I think we all knew there would be some growing pains. There's been a few of of those. But I think as we've gone on, his trajectory is certainly on the upward side. So I knew that he would be the future of Toyota TRD and at some point come back to JGR, and that tomorrow is going to be 2018. We'll see what he does. So,
1: Pete, does the timing of this make things uncomfortable? And see if I can throw that out to you as well. You know, this information started to leak out a little while ago, like you just said. But now that we have the news, how does Matt Kenseth navigate this? situation
6: well I think like Steve said in a way maybe it's like the weights off his shoulders he's known this I'm sure for some time and now he can go on and know that it's going to be out there he's going to be asked about it this weekend in New Hampshire no doubt about it but once that's all behind him I think Matt can just focus on the matter at hand and him and Jason Ratcliffe can just try to run out the year get that win that's been missing make the playoffs and go out with a blaze of glory and the problem that I have though and Steve again not knowing what he's doing next year I don't think that that's a done deal I think Matt knows he's leaving JGR as we all do now but I'm not even so sure that Matt knows what he's going to do in 2018 yet well I'm confident he doesn't know Pete because if you remember at Kentucky That was Matt
4: Kenseth's way of saying, I'm done keeping this information in. He's been pretty vocal that he has known this for some time, whether that's a week or a month of the season, I don't know. But it didn't just come to light in Kentucky for Matt Kenseth. He just put it in the news for everyone else, Carolyn. So I think when you talk about moving forward, this was Matt Kenseth's way last weekend of saying, okay, enough's enough, guys. I have to look at 2018. I know you guys have a plan, and this might not fit in your timetable, but I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag to see if my phone starts to ring. All
1: right, let's switch topics now, if we can, because Pete, now NASCAR's executive vice president Steve O'Donnell was on your show yesterday he discussed the idea of bringing new manufacturers to the sport let's listen back to that we are in aggressive
5: conversations with uh, OEMs we think you know and, and uh, I will actually I think Brad, was, Brad was spot on on this it's probably the biggest impact that uh, could help the sport or or continue to grow the sport so we are aggressively pursuing uh, new OEMs. Um, we want to make sure that they come in uh, similar to how Toyota did. And it's, it's really changed the sport. They've done a tremendous job and, and really helped the industry. So, you know, those conversations are ongoing. It's, it's a tough process. There's a lot
6: to consider uh, doing this. But that is a, a huge goal for the sport right now.
1: Steve, your take on those comments.
4: Well, I think I agree with Steve O'Donnell that the lifeblood of NASCAR has always been the manufacturers. But it has become clear to me over the last maybe handful of years, five, seven, eight years, that a manufacturer can really support six to seven car numbers. Let's not talk about organizations, companies. I don't care about that. Seven car numbers on the racetrack, seven drivers. So to have a very strong 35 to 40 car field, you're looking at needing five to six manufacturers. And, And I know that is kind of outside of what we've never ever seen at NASCAR. But Pete, I think that's what's required for this sport to drive forward. When you look internationally at other forms of auto racing that are flourishing, they're flourishing because they have multiple car manufacturers taking part. And I actually completely agree with Steve O'Donnell. That's the same road that this series of NASCAR needs to take.
6: Yeah, now the magic question is, who's the next manufacturer that would come back? Obviously a lot of folks saying, hey, Dodge went away, after they went away, we heard from the Dodge folks saying we'd like to get back in. I haven't heard anything around the garage area that that's imminent, so maybe you look outside. Make real close attention today, though, about a story that came out with Roger Penske's team going sports car racing to IMSA next year with Honda and Acura. Maybe there's a little insight about another manufacturer that would get in that. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, though, as everyone knows, if tomorrow a new manufacturer said, we want to go NASCAR racing, they wouldn't be able to get any of that ramped up before 2019, maybe even 2020. But I'm with you, Steve. I think uh, the lifeblood of this sport is another manufacturer coming in, and it sounds like NASCAR has been out there shaking the bushes to try to get another one to come back into the sport.
4: The question, though, Pete, is how do you get one back into the sport? Because I don't think it is just marketing dollars. I think the fan base is there. I think they're very loyal. I really think it comes down to technology. When I look at the race cars, it's not the aerodynamics. It's not the bodies of the race cars. Those could be adjusted. Um, You know, the poll question is, hey, should it be adjusted? I think it comes down to, to be honest – you know, engine architecture. I think when you look under the hood of these Monster Energy Cup cars, it's very impressive the horsepower that that Doug Yates and Hendrick Engines and TRD gets out of that type of engine. But when you look underneath the hood of a car in the showroom, it's very hard to find any architecture that looks like that. So it seems to me that that has to be a major point of contention and conversation with any new manufacturer.
6: Yeah, I think you're right about all that, Steve. But, see, this is the thing, Carolyn. This is why he's on the show. I can't even change my own oil. <laughs> Stevie's the guy that knows all this stuff under the hood. I don't. So
1: Yes, it's very valuable to have a crew chief on the show on a regular basis. Since Steve brought up the poll question and we heard Steve O'Donnell reference Brad Kozlowski, let's get back to the issue that sparked all of this. Kozlowski very critical of the cars that were being run by NASCAR in the Cup Series after Saturday's race, after he crashed out. Um, the poll question currently up on SiriusXM's NASCAR Twitter account Pete, do you agree with his comments?
6: Well, I think you got to take what Brad said with a bit of a grain of salt. Here's a guy that was very frustrated. Obviously, he crashed out of the race early, and he came out of the infield care center. And as Brad Kozlowski is wont to do, he spoke his mind, which I have no problem with him speaking his mind. But I also don't think it was completely spur of the moment. You know, if I know if you know Brad, I think this is something that he'd been thinking about and talking about. And it wasn't just a reaction of, boy, I crashed out and these cars are really bad. We need to get a new one. But on the other hand, I think we're at a point right now where we have done so much with this current car, changes of aerodynamic rules and all the lower downforce and everything that we're talking about right now. I don't know how much more you can do with this car. So maybe we are at a point where it's time to go to the, to to a blank piece of paper and come up with a brand new car. I don't know how far down the road that is. But I think what Brad said had some points to it, but I also know that it was a guy that crashed out of a race. And I don't think you should just overly react to one guy's comments after he crashed out of a race early. Well, Pete, I think Brad
4: is getting the conversation that he intended. He basically wanted us on shows like this to discuss it. And I like the concept of a blank piece of paper, but I don't think the blank piece of paper is purely about the race car. I think the race car is an easy scapegoat for com- you know competitors trying to improve competition. I think it is part of the solution, but it also comes down to racetracks, two tire manufacturers, to many things, format. You know, I think we've seen in much, much improved racing this year. And with a little downforce tweak, it's really been a format change. And I think NASCAR has always been on the forefront of trying to make changes like that. I think it's time that we ask some of the racetracks to also get in to the, the business of improving racing. And I think we're starting to see that. Bristol kind of maybe jumped into the deep end first with the preparation of their surface. And now we've seen Kentucky, who... Was it the best race? No, but as far as a repay scale goes, I give it an A+. plus. I've seen some very, very single-groove repays in my career, and now we talk about VHT or some sort of coding, perhaps, at New Hampshire. I'm not sure we have all the answers to how you prepare these racetracks, Pete, but I like the fact that it's not a car thing. It's, it's a cumulative thing, car, track, tire. A lot of people are going to have to—we talk about manufacturers. I think they need to be involved. Um— It can definitely improve, but I think the car is an easy scapegoat. I wouldn't put all the weight in one location.
6: No, I agree with that. I think the the tracks are doing everything they can to try to make for better racing, more grooves, that kind of thing. As you say, the VHT is going to go down at New Hampshire this weekend, and we'll see what that does to the racing there. So it is a balance. It's not just the car. It's the racetrack. It's the tire. It's everything. And quite frankly, listen, my partner and I, Mike Bagley, we're on the front line every Monday morning, right? On the morning drive at 7 in the morning. So we hear from the fans. And quite honestly, guys, it's been very rare this year that Monday hasn't had a lot of good feedback from the kind of racing we've seen. The fans seem to like the racing that we've got. I think it's very competitive. We had one race where a guy went out and dominated on Saturday night at Kentucky Speedway. Well, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. Let's see what we got here down the road for the next few yeah, weeks. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what our Jeff Burton said here on NASCAR America yesterday. He'll be with you tomorrow. We look forward to that. Pete, thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you again soon.
6: Thank you, guys. Uh, and now that I'm on TV, I'm going to see if I can get my wife to paint the office studio here, which would be maybe a tax write-off for me. So thank you for that. <laughs>
1: no problem. <laughs> and don't forget to keep voting on the poll. Head to SiriusXM NASCAR on Twitter or use the hashtag TMD NASCAR. You can make your voice heard there. Don't forget, Thursday on NASCAR America, Daytona 500 champion Kurt Busch will be live in studio with us. But coming up next, we'll hit up the social steam, which includes a baby burnout. We'll explain what that is next.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Time to make a social pit stop. Last night, Joey Logano had one of the more unique baby gender reveal parties we've ever seen. Logano going full NASCAR style, a baby burnout, complete with a blue smoke to reveal the gender. Of baby boy, that's really, really cool. A pair of NASCAR legends are going to pace the field for the Southern 500 at Darlington in September. The King, Richard Petty, going to lead the field in his 1967 Plymouth. That's the car he won his only Southern 500 with back in 1967. And three-time Southern 500 champ Bill Elliott going to serve as the honorary pace car driver. You can find the Southern 500 right here on September 3rd. Great social pit stop today. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, that is where NASCAR America will be tomorrow as special guest Eric Almarola joins the show. We're going to see how his preparation to get back in the car has been going since that scary crash back at Kansas two months ago.
3: Everything was really
4: tense and locked up after the accident it's the body's safety mechanism. With the way that the vertebrae got crushed in a pizza pie shape, Uh, the top of my spine is actually leaning forward. So I've gotta do a good job of getting all the back muscles in the upper part of my back strong again.
2: Today we're just gonna put Eric through his paces of simulating Bristol.
4: Two weeks after my injury, that probably still would have brought tears
3: to my eyes. That right there is no issue.
1: Steven Slugger seems like he's doing great, and I know we're going to find out tomorrow uh, just how well he is as he prepares, in theory, to get back in the car this weekend.
4: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Without a doubt, uh, the physical ailments can heal. You saw him rehabbing it. They're going to test it at the racetrack to see if he's recovered. But I actually am going to look forward to Eric Amarola and his mental approach. We've seen other drivers slugger at times when they come back from an injury. You know, you get taken out of it for a while. You really appreciate it more when you come back. We'll see if that's the case for Eric.
5: Yeah, certain muscles they haven't been using for a while. But, you know, prior to him getting hurt at Kansas, the team had momentum. He had finished ninth at Richmond, fourth at Talladega. So the team was definitely in the right direction prior to him getting hurt.
1: Yep, again, he'll be with us 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow right here on NASCAR America. By the way, a uh, little bit more news for you before we let you go. Richmond Raceway announcing a big rebrand. They're unveiling a $30 million infield redevelopment project. It's going to include a bunch of different things, a new Cup Series garage with a fan-viewing walkway. And fans are also going to be able to watch cars complete their runs through inspection stations in the new infield. This is pretty great. All the improvements going to be launched basically during the track's first NASCAR playoff weekend in September of next season i wonder if those crew chiefs are gonna be happy about fans getting the (laughs) opportunity to watch what's going on in those inspections
5: i'm not a fan of open garage but it's great for the fans but the sneaky photographer, Steve, as you know, that take thousands of pictures of everyone else's race car so you can kind of get a behind-the-scenes look uh, like the race fan is. But uh, it's great for our sport. You know, uh, when we go next year to Vegas as the opening race, they get the Neon Garage, second race at New- uh, Richmond, like we're talking about, Steve, open form again for the fans. It's great for our sport.
4: Yeah, I think this all started with the flagship track, Daytona, where there are huge improvements a-, a year ago, well, two years ago now, and now we've seen Phoenix has announced major improvements sure. and now Richmond. And I think it's just a simple fact, Carolyn, that in 2017, the race on the track has to be great, but the amenities have to match that. And I, I applaud these tracks for spending that money. It's very easy to stock it away. Remember, publicly owned companies, they love to have money in the bank. These tracks are deciding to spend that money to improve really the whole day and experience for the fan. Yeah,
1: there aren't too many sports where fans get the opportunity to get up close and personal with drivers and crew chiefs and all the stars that they admire. So, hopefully, Richmond Raceway will be on the way to more improvements that will help fans do just that. That is all for NASCAR America. We are back again tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern, though, from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Again, our special guest, Eric Gomorola. For all the latest news, you can always log on to slash NASCAR. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll check you out at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday.